So, um, you know, first question, you know, for people who may not know who you are, you know, who are you, you know, where are you from, and you know, how'd you get started playing football? Hi, my name is uh, Nico Law. I'm from uh, Washington, D.C., born in D.C., raised in Maryland. Um, I used to live out in uh, Clinton, Maryland, out Prince George County. Um, I was a late bloomer. I started football real late. Uh, I would say my first year starting football was eighth grade, but my parents was always busy, so I missed all the games and barely went to the practices. So I really, really considered my first year of football my freshman year of high school. Um, I always wanted to play football. I used to be the biggest Ravens fan ever, and I used to idolize uh, Ed Reed and, and Ray Lewis. Um, so that's how that happened. Uh, I, I, my freshman year, you know, I rode the bench, um, but I always knew I had it in me. I was, I was always playing like throwback tackle in the yard, you know, killing people. Um, and then, you know, as things progressed, uh, my coach used to tell me like, if, if I took, you know, football serious, I can go very far with it. Um, I had a coach named um, Rod Chap. At the time, I was always getting into trouble. Uh, my freshman year, I had like a, you know, I, I didn't want to go to a, a private school. I hated, like, I'm like, private school, like, you know? You know, people make fun of you for going to the private school. So I did everything in my possible ability to get kicked out. So, you know, I had the most detentions, most, what you call it, demerics? Yeah, demerics. Most demerics, I don't know, I think I set like a record or something. Um, and I got, a lot of people don't know, I got kicked out my freshman year. Um, I had terrible grades, like one point something. And then uh, I was accepted back into Bishop McNamara. And then, you know, my sophomore year, Rod Chapman, um, he used to tell me, like, look, dude, you take this serious. I mean, you got, like, a lot of ability. You can get, like, you know, four rides to go to college. And me, you know, I didn't know nothing about college. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Like, you know, um, I wasn't thinking about college. I wasn't, you know, really thinking that far into the future. And then when I did talk to my mother, she's like, you got to figure out how you're going to pay for college, you know, so. Um, I began taking football very serious and you know that same year I became a 3.0 student and the superstar like the JV team. I played uh, linebacker, safety receiver, uh, kick returner, um, played a lot of different positions. Um, I was just like physically way more inclined than most people. I was just very fast. I was just super ag aggressive. I was just fearless. And the rest was history. So I remember in high school, it was like our junior junior year going to senior year, and we were trying to like figure out what schools we wanted to go to. So I remember he was like, man, I don't know, like I'm trying to decide. So, you know, talk about that process when you were going, like trying to pick schools. Well, that process is very hectic. My first, my first uh, offer was from uh, NC State. Okay. And you know, i never forget when I got my first offer. Um, I felt like I did something, you know, good in the world, and I, I broke down, I cried, I called my mother, you know, I was like, Mom, I got a <clears throat> full ride to go to NC State. She's like, what's NC State? I was like, a big Division One school, you know, I bust out crying. She started crying and stuff, I was like, oh, this is lit. Yeah. And then after that, it became overwhelming, you know, once you get your first offer, then you go two, three, four, five, then before you know it, I'm at like 30 offers. And, you know, when you're a young kid, you're like 15, 16, getting all this attention. Yeah you really don't know how to act. And then, you know, I didn't have no guidance in my family, like a lot of athletes. I didn't have like a lot of people I can like call, like, look, Unc, where, did, where would you go? What would you do? You know, I was looking 
before the answers from everyone else, but the answer was inside me. You know, like people, you know, when you was making your decision, people like, so what school you want to go to? You're like, uh, I don't know, you know. I remember uh, Coach uh, Bryce Bevel, that's my favorite, one of my favorite high school coaches, he used to tell me, he was like, um, when you make your college decision, go off um, what's important to you. So make a list, five things that's important to you. He said one of his biggest things that was important was his living space, how he was living, you know, when he was at college. So that's why he went to Syracuse. So me, I was like, okay, cool. My number one school, I always wanted to go to Miami, but it didn't happen. I always wanted to go to University of Miami. And um, I just kind of broke down my schools off of uh, success, um, tradition, and um, I guess like the network of the school. Um, but long story short, I really was confused in my whole process because every coach that offered me literally got fired. So I had like, let's say I had 30 offers. Um, it was a, a, a huge transition phase in the college world. And like, you know, I was influenced to go to the University of Iowa because of Marcus Coker. Marcus Coker was a superstar running back at the time, you know, on top of the world, top five running backs and stuff like that. And um, I went to go shadow him at, uh, at the University of Iowa and it was one of the most craziest experiences. <laughs> in my life and you know when I seen him I was like oh yeah I want to live like that you know what I'm saying but then after that um, I committed on spot I didn't take all my officials like I should have uh, I, I did a whole um, trip around the world with my mother so me my mom and my uh, stepfather at the time we literally took a whole trip from the east coast and drove down the coast and visited almost every school like at almost every school and um, met a lot of people in a way um, but like I said, as far as the process, it was, it was very foggy and confusing for me because, you know, a guy saying, hey, we want you to be a superstar at our school. Then he's fired and then he goes somewhere else. And you're like, okay, cool. So, so originally I was going to decommit and go back to Maryland because I wanted to be the hometown hero and the hometown star, you know, to put the city on. But James Franklin ended up leaving and going to, um, I think, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt at, the, at, the, at that time. So I was confused and Iowa at the time was the only school who like the coach has been there for like 20 years and no switch up. So every coach that offered me, they, they was replaced at another school. So I didn't know like new coaches. I just said, you know what, I'm gonna just stick, stick with my decision and you know, go from there. Um, and that was a whole journey itself. <laughs> All right, so, you know, once you got to Iowa, you know, you were playing as a freshman. Like you were getting good minutes, like you weren't like, you know, like an average freshman, like you, you were out there. Um, and then, you know, so talk about, you know, your freshman year and then, uh, you know, what happened, you know, the incident, um, you know, you got, you got arrested. Okay, so freshman year, um, I had a chip on my shoulder. You know, my senior year, we didn't have like a, I didn't go off in a very good, you know, um, farewell from high school. Um, I was rated like, I think like 23 in the nation at my position and you know, I wanted to prove that people, to the people that, you know, I wasn't like some, you know, fluke. So I wanted to, you know, run it up my freshman year. Um, freshman year, we had a lot of seniors on the team um, and when I came in, everybody was way more physically enhancing me and mentally uh, equipped. So, 
you're talking about a guy that's like 17 years old, 17, 18 years old, who just started playing football, who don't really have the knowledge of a person uh, whose father may be the NFL head coach. So most of the guys that on my team had a lot of ties to the NFL as far as general managers, head coaches and stuff. And they were way more mentally uh, prepared than I was, especially come from Bishop McNamara. Bishop McNamara to me was a, a, a basketball school. And you know, we, we, we started to um, change that culture when it comes to football pretty late. Um, but the thing I always had was hard work ethic and uh, charisma and um, just passion. I always did everything with passion. So my freshman year, I was one of the few uh, guys who played. I played on all special teams. And you know, uh, had a um, you know I, I did special teams. I played a, a couple of games and stuff of that sort. Um, but it was just to get my feet wet. Um, my sophomore year came. Um, my sophomore year, I knew I was going to start. Like you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, if I don't start, it's uh, it, it's, it's my fault. The sophomore year, um, I think I had my first start against Indiana. My first start against Indiana playing. Uh, you know, uh, I think the star of their team at the time was like Shane Wynn. And that game gave me the confidence in the world. I was like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be on these, you know, this playing field. I know, uh, like, I have the ability, I have the talent, you know, because like I said, I felt like I was way more faster than most, most athletes and I was stronger and I just played with a lot of aggression. I just had to work more so on my mental uh, capability. Um, my sophomore year, we didn't really do too good. So my junior year, I told myself, I said, look, I'm going to be the you know, best in the nation and um, I'm going to you know, prepare to you know, become a draft pick my junior year. Um, going into my junior year, um, my sister died. Um, it caused a lot of you know, emotional damage in my life, you know, going through depression, all types of stuff. So my sister died in a car accident. Um, I also was... Uh, uh, well, that, no, that wasn't going into my, no, going into my junior year, actually, I was preparing myself to be one of the best in the nation, so like the whole off-season, all I did is watch film, um, I did a lot of yoga because I was real stiff at the time from doing a lot of Olympic lifts, so I, well, we did like a lot of Olympic, like heavy lifting, you know, I went there and I was lean, and then by the time my junior year, I came, like, it was all stocky and like big and like super stiff, and, um, I started doing a lot of yogas and Pilates and stuff like that to loosen up. Um, and I was literally just in the film room every day looking at the best athletes in the nation, like studying the best safeties, uh, just trying to understand the difference from uh, linemen standpoint, the linebackers, uh, safeties, corners, knowing everybody's responsibility so I could do mine and, and be the best at my position. Because when you're a safety, you're kind of like a quarterback, you're like the general of the defense. So you gotta know what you gotta do so you can put people in position or you gotta know how to, you know, if this person's wrong, you gotta learn how to adjust because you're like the last of defense. So if you're not confident out, out there, you're like a weak link on the team. Um, my junior year, I was competing to, uh, I was competing for the starting job. Um, everything was good, man. You know, everything was in my favor. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get the job. Uh, they had me playing linebacker, safety, all these, you know, different types of positions, rover, uh, linebacker slash end type stuff. At the time, I was like 200 and, I was 205, but I looked probably like I was 220. Um, I was hitting all my peaks in the, the weight room, lifting, um, and I was just really focused and locked in. Uh, when it came to competing, um, I was number one on the death chart. 
And you know, I don't want to say no names, but it was a guy in there who uh, um, I was competing against, and you know, I feel like I outworked him. He ended up quitting the team, or he ended up quitting the team, going home, and then eventually um, I got injured. So I struggled with a lot of injuries throughout my career, from from shoulder injuries and hamstring injuries. Like one of the injuries I struggled with the most was my shoulder. I played my whole career with a broken shoulder. Nobody really knows that. Um, when you're in college, anytime you have some type of injury, they want to, you know, they don't want to spend that money to get you to have surgery. So what they're going to do? They're going to dope you up on drugs. So I was always getting cortisone shots and stuff of that sort. And I, I literally played my whole time in Iowa. I played with a broken shoulder. I used to complain to the, the you know, the coaching staff and the trainers. Like, look, dude, like. I'm waking up, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, dude, I'm waking up, it's a sharp pain going down my arm, like, this isn't normal. Oh, you know what, you just got a, a, a burst of sap, or you just got inflammation in your joints, man. We just give you some drugs, you know, you'll be all right, you know, just keep doing treatment. So that's what I did, you, you're a young person, you don't know no better, you're gonna listen to what they say. You know, they, they, they are the experts, so you're gonna listen to them because you think they have, you know, the best of your interests, but, you know, it's a whole, you know, uh, business, you know, so, um, Long story short, uh, time went on. I got injured um, going, I got injured, what do you call it? Uh, right, before, right before spring ball, I got injured. I tore my hamstring. I never forget, I tore my hamstring. I was like the leading, you know, uh, I was uh, with the ones. And I was so, you know, depressed. I'm like, dang, you know, I worked all the way up to here. Now I tore my hamstring. I never forget, like, when I tore my hamstring, I was coming down. Like, um, I think I was coming down on a blitz and I hit somebody and my hamstring just popped, you know, and I heard the, the, the snap and I already knew, you know, what time it was. Like, I was like, okay, this is bad. And I remember standing up and it was like a very sharp pain going in my, my hamstring. So in my head, you know, as an athlete, like, okay, you know, I'll just sit out for a couple of days and you know, really them couple of days turned until a couple of months and the guy who quit the team um, he ended up uh, coming back onto the team and started in my exact position. You know, I was really, you know, upset at the time. Um, you know, it's a lot. It's really a lot of politics and sports that a lot of people don't know about. Man, it's all. It's really about who you know or who has connections with who. You know, a lot of people just kind of see, oh, that guy's playing. Okay, well, honestly, you know, majority of people that's on the team, you really get Division One offer for the most part you're a great athlete, you know what I'm saying? You're not just out there by chance. So if, if, if Nico Law goes down, somebody behind him can play as well. If the person go down behind Nico, I mean, uh, uh, Nico Law, somebody behind him can play. You know, all these guys are like top recruit, you know, in the world or in the nation, you know, or, or the best in their state. Um, so I was fighting a whole lot of, uh, you know, I was fighting to get back doing a lot of recovery, a lot of therapy, um, you know, ice baths, you know, stretching, all types of stuff, PRP, um, uh, STEM, you know, what do you call it, uh, STEMs? Yeah, STEM. Yeah, yeah, STEM, ice and STEM, you know, you know that, the whole ice and STEM, doing a lot of um, um, recovery, pool recovery, workouts. Um, and I was really, at the time, I was really frustrated. I'm like, dang, this guy, that starting right now, he quit the team, and now he's like, you know, um, with the ones. That really did make me feel some type of way. But to me, you know, where we from and what I was taught, my mom always told me just work hard. Whatever you get, 
whatever you want in life, just work hard. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna work hard, get my spot. You know, so I continued to work hard. Um, I was grinding. Uh, when, when summer camp came, when summertime came, like I missed, I missed all the spring ball because of my injury. Um, I barely did like the winter workouts. And then when it came to uh, the summer workouts, you know, that, that camp right before the season, um, I literally just got cleared. Like I literally um, just got cleared to practice. He was with the ones and I was like, man, I gotta give it all I got. You know what I'm saying? I gotta give it all I got. Cause you know, you, you, you had that sense of pride, man, when you playing on TV or you playing college, cause you like, I got support for back home. You know, I got a family that's watching me. I got my little brother that's watching me, sister, all types of stuff. And um, I think uh, the decision was made, like right before the first game, my coach told me, Hey, it's a 50-50, you know, uh, this person has been here all this time and you haven't. You know, we don't know how long, you know, you're going to be able to sustain, blah, blah, blah. And they said I was going to go to first half, he's going to go to second half, vice versa. Stuff ain't happening how it's supposed to happen. And long story short, I ended up riding the bench. And it was just a, a, a blower to me, you know, not just like my ego, but more so like, dang, I gave this, like, I gave it all I got. You know what I'm saying? I really, I really blood, sweat, and tears like I was out here, you know, like, you know, not to compare myself to anybody else, but he's like, you guys aren't putting in as much work as I was putting, you know what I'm saying? I'm going an extra mile because, especially when you go to a foreign place, you like, I ain't come out to Iowa for nothing. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I could be at home, like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you, you, wanna, you wanna make your presence known, you know, you wanna, want people to feel you. Um, so that was, that was pretty hard for me. Um, so, you know, my freshman, I mean, first game, you know, and get no play time, second game. I mean, you know, I'm talking to the coach, they're like, hey, we about to put you in, you know, all these different packages. Third, fourth game, now it's the fifth game, now you like, you kind of like canceled out. As an athlete, you like, all right, bro, you know, after this, you know what I'm saying, you know? So after that, um, what year, was that your junior year? My whole junior year, I basically, uh, you know, played on special teams, road, road you know, um, I didn't get as much play time as I wanted. Um, I was kind of like a role player. Um, so I was really depressed. That was like one of the most depressed times of my life. But, you know, I feel like my junior year was my year. Um, going to the end of my junior year, my sister died. So it was, it, it built even more. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was just like a bad year for me from injuries to, you know, not getting the play time I wanted to my sister dying, you know what I'm saying? So then when my sister died, it was just like a, one of those, you know, life-changing events to like, you know, you're like, all right, what you gonna do? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this your senior year, you know, you here, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, at least do something for your sister. Like, you know what I'm saying? Make stuff count. So I was going through like a lot of turmoil mentally and emotionally and uh, uh, it was a situation on the team where, you know, as far as leadership, uh, I was having conflict with another guy on the team and we was just in a, you know, um, he was the icing on the top, you know, you're a young guy and you, you know, everybody's done with all these emotions and they just building up and you don't have nobody to talk to, you know what I'm saying? And, and one day this, this guy disrespected me and you know, I jumped out there and you know, I deal with it in a way in which I shouldn't. But at the time I felt like he, um, that's where he kind of harassed the girl I was with at the time, said something very, you know, demeaning and vulgar, you know, and, and from where we from, you know, people go to the extreme to deal with you. Uh, I took matters in my own hand and I got arrested. Um, I got arrested and at the time, I was, you know, I was kind of like embarrassed. I got arrested and um, 
I broke my hand. A lot of people don't know about like when I got in a fight, I broke my hand. So now I'm like, dang, you know, all this stuff happened. You know, I make a, re you know, I reacted off emotions and stuff. You know, and you know, and disrespect. You know, you just don't disrespect people, like point blank period. But um, I'm like, now it's it's Im impeding my my performance. I can't even perform right. I got a broke. My whole hand is broke. Like these, these are the scars right here. I broke my hand. And uh, so when I got arrested, um, I never forget. You know, uh, they was trying to give me a disorderly conduct. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, disorderly conduct, little slap on the wrist. You know, um, thank God. And then the guy who I got in a fight with at that time was trying to press charges against me. So now I'm like, I'm Nick. You know, I'm like. Like a lot of Americans, uh, I came out of college with a lot of debt. It's very hard for you to break out into the IT profession. And in particular, in the cyber profession, I, I couldn't find the relative experience, let alone a company that would take a chance on me, just with the limited knowledge and uh, background that I had. Soldier Cyber was developed to do both, to not only just give our students the ability to learn a new career, be it if they're just coming right out of college, if they're changing professions, or if they're just trying to make a new way for themselves. We're expecting to have over 3.5 million jobs open in the cyber profession. We offer job placement. Job placement is important. Once you've gone through these different professional certification courses, along with any other types of training, what happens at the end? Soder Cyber is there to give the relative book experience and also some relative and hands-on tangible experience. Students can now register on our website. Classes are now starting in January. The biggest thing I learned from the situation is that, you know, my actions don't just affect me, it affect everybody I'm around. So, uh, and then also, you know, think before you act. You know, I feel like as a young African-American man, especially in the DMV, we more so act instead of think, you know what I'm saying? Somebody make you feel some, some type of way or, or do something disrespectful to you, you kind of like just jump and you just act. You don't really think about what can happen or, you know, you don't think about how this will affect this person, this person, this person, and everybody as a whole. So, you know, I learned from that, and, you know, that's kind of how I move in life now. You know, I kind of, like, really think um, about everything before I do it. Then after college, I remember, you know, we was, like, that's when we, like, really started talking. It was like, yo, like, you know, wanna, you want to have pro dreams, and, you know, it just, like, it just wasn't working. Like, the, the contracts, the opportunities were just, like, somewhere there, and they weren't that great. Like, talk about when I was talking to you, that's when I remember we had our talk, and then you got your your offer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they 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 reached out to you, and that's when you became pro. It was ironic. It was ironic. I remember talking to you on the phone and all that stuff. We was at a uh, who cookout? I think Jalen's. Yeah. It was at Jalen's cookout. We was having conversations. So, think about with me. Uh, you know, I transferred and went to Towson. You know, to like I said, still kind of be like that hometown hero. Uh, transferred to Towson. I had to sit out a year. It was so depressing for me, man. Definitely depressing. And I had to train myself. I had to have that discipline. Like literally, like I trained myself in the off season. Um, I was blessed to uh, come across a mentor named Troy Jones. He's like a, he he's like the head trainer of Fit Speed in um, Miami right now. But uh, he told me a lot, you know, through that off time. And then when I got to Towson, um, I didn't. I was I, I wasn't on a scholarship. I wasn't on a scholarship anymore. And, I, and it kind of like. You know, they, they they like, yeah, you got to prove to us that you deserve a scholarship. So I was hot, you know, you come to Division One school, you like, 
you ain't gonna give me a scholarship, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, um, I did everything in my power to get a scholarship. Long story short, end up getting a scholarship and a lot of like injuries again happened, man. I went from, um, I went from, uh, you know, the starter, the starter of the defense, you know, um, basically playing like every position again. And I ended up catching mono right before the season. I wasn't kissing no girls. I don't know what happened. You know, they say it's a kissing disease. But I ended up catching mono. I lost like 20 pounds. I feel like I almost died. It was like one of the worst experiences ever, you know. Um, it was like, it was definitely traumatizing. I didn't even get clear to play before, right before the season. And then literally my first game coming back, I didn't even train the whole season. Like I didn't even, they just say, Nico, you clear to play. And I'm playing against ECU, you know, and I had a pretty decent game. And you know, everybody like, oh, you did great. I'm like, dude, like, I'm not even in shape. I couldn't even breathe. And then, you know, I end up, at the end of the season, I ended up playing literally five games. I got injured, broke my opposite shoulder. So it was like a lot of stuff. But I remember when I was talking to you, you know, about chasing his dream because, you know, after I broke my shoulder, man, I was so depressed, man. I'm like, dang, I, I came this far, now it's another situation. But you gotta look in the, the mirror as a man, like, what you gonna do? Like, okay, stuff keep happening to you, but are you gonna fold or are you gonna stand tall and pursue your dreams relentlessly? So I was like, all right, you know, fuck it, excuse my friends. And I just, you know, started training, trying to get healthy. They said I had like five months of pro day, you know, to get right. Right before pro day, I got a, a, a very serious car accident that, uh, you know, what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Totaled my car. It was a guy that was, you know, drinking, drink driving. And, you know, he totaled my car. And it was just like so many different things. Man, I just feel like I couldn't catch a break. And then, you know, that shoulder I dealt with and the hamstring problems, all that stuff, um, it added more to the situation. I, you got, I got pro day like, Two, three weeks from now, and I just get in a, a serious car accident, total my car. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have nobody to take me anywhere because I didn't have rental insurance. It was just so much stress, man. And then I, I um, when pro day came, I, uh, you know, I had the worst, like I blew it. I had the worst time. Um, I pulled my hamstring on pro day and ran the worst time possible. You know, and pro day is like your, that's that's your. That's your big day, you know, that's your big interview, you know what I'm saying? This this day can change the the dynamics of your whole family and, you know, bring you to, towards your dreams. And, you know, it didn't happen like that for me and I was depressed. And like you said, you gotta look in the mirror again, say, what I'ma do, I'ma sit here and fold, or I'ma keep, you know, dream chasing. So eventually what I did was, you know, got back up on my feet, you know, I hit my age, I'm like, what's all the opposite, you know, uh, other alternatives? He's like, dude, you can go uh, to CFL, uh, CFL workout. So then I became a trainer. It wasn't my intention to become a trainer. It was just like, you know, I feel like it was just a lifestyle, you know, and a dream I was chasing that being a trainer just manifested on me, you know. I ended up working at a gym in Tyson's, uh, Virginia. Well, yeah, Tyson's, Virginia called... Uh, uh, Tyson's Playground, and I was working for a company called Purse Performance. So then I was just training nothing but athletes, and I got to, you know, get free therapy, and you know, I get to have a facility. So I was just working out all day, and now I would, in the midst of being a trainer, trying to perfect my craft as a trainer, I wasn't really thinking like, you know, Nicolas is gonna be this top trainer. It was just I was just doing something I love, and I became so obsessed with how to get better and better 
at coaching kids or at coaching athletes and help them to get to where they need to be because I didn't want them to, to feel the same or have the same troubles I did throughout my career. So in doing that, I was still chasing my dreams to, to go to CFL because training was putting that bread in my pocket. And I, I, I started going on a college, uh, well not college, a CFL camp tour. So I started going to like one camp by the next camp by the next camp. And i never forget, um, I went to a camp out in North Carolina uh, with one of my close friends, his name uh, is Jameson Williamson. He's a, he's a trainer out in Baltimore, ironically. Um, me and James went to camp and literally like we destroyed it. Like I be, I got healthy, got my body healthy, um, did a lot of uh, treatment on my shoulders and got my hamstring right. And I was, at the time I was like 220. I was big as big as hell. And I ran a 4.53. And literally when I ran that 4.53, they're like, dude, you're not in the NFL? And I'm like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, supposed to be. And um, right there, uh, they told me they would give me, you know, um, you know, a shot in my head, you know, especially going through the, the process, a lot of teams tell you whatever. You may hear from one team over here, they go, oh yeah, we want you in camp, we will. But if they don't, you, you probably won't hear from them. So time went on. Man, I'll never forget, I was, uh, I was leaving from a tryout in Texas uh, with a team in Texas. And, you know, I was getting on a plane, it was a, uh, it was a call from an Arizona number. And matter of fact, at the time, the Cardinals was recruiting me. And you know, I was talking to them, so I'm like, the Cardinals is about to bring me on board. So I'm like, so geek. Like I'm like, thank God. And I was like, hello. And they was like, hey, is this Nico Law? I'm a hard star racing. I was like, oh shit. I'm like, yeah, this is Nico Law. And they was like, hey, well, um, this is such and such from the Alouettes. How would you like to be a part of our, our family? I'm like, what? The Alouettes? He's like, yeah, Montreal Alouettes. I never forget, I just started breaking down, man, because like I said, like, you go through so many trials and tribulations, you know, people don't, people just see the, the stats, people don't see you, you know, the behind the scenes, people don't see the process, people don't see the, you know, the mental toll, you know, it is as an athlete, you know what I'm saying, because it's not, it's not, everything is dictated by a person, you know, you piss this person off, you know, it may dictate where you stand on that death chart, you know what I'm saying, so like. So what piece of advice? Last question, what piece of advice would you give someone, you know, who's in your shoes, you know, kind of, you know, had these ups and downs and they're trying to, you know, like figure out life, you know, or just like find their passion, like how you find your passion with training people and you, you know, became addicted to it, you know? So what would you tell that person? So if I was to talk to somebody that was young or talk to a person in general, just be fearless. Um, everybody try to put you in a box. That's one of the reasons why I moved from the East Coast because people used to be like, what are you? I'm like, I'm an artist. They're like, what you mean? I'm like, bro, like, like I throw parties, you know. I train people, you know. You know, I, coming out of high school, I was always an artsy guy. Like, I mean, you see me like, I took photography classes. I was a guy in class, drawing, you know, painting pictures or drawing pictures. You know what I'm saying? A poet. Like, that's the stuff that stimulates my brain. And I feel like in life, you are an artist. Whatever you love doing, you're gonna be great at it. So me, you know, I tend to like pay my bills and only really do the things I love to do. So I came out LA to uh, really to be in entertainment. And um, I didn't know how big the fitness industry was in LA. Um, in the East Coast, nobody really cared about being fit. So it was kind of hard for me back home because, you know, 
every pro athlete that knew me or, you know, regardless, baseball, Major League Baseball or NBA or whatever, it was more so like, oh yeah, that's my homie. You know, people not really thinking about paying you. They just feel as though like, by me just being with you, that's yeah, good enough. Yeah. Like, you my dog, you know what I'm saying? Work me out, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. But you like, dude, I gotta get my bills paid. Right. So when I was out here, man, I kind of jumped, you know, to be in a creative land with, you know, multiple, you know, people out here. Most people in LA are like serial entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, they had like five, six different businesses that's running, functional, you know, and, and people not putting them in a box. You know what I'm saying? So when I came out here, I was like, oh, this is my vibe. And then, um, I just literally, um, you know, it got to the point where I was chasing the, the acting stuff. I'm going to audition after audition and becoming broker and broker. Because <laughs> I didn't understand, even with, you know, acting, man, it'd be a thousand people, like, trying to act. Like, everybody in L.A. is an actor, a model, and stuff like that. So I was like, dang, you know, I'm going to pay these bills. And then I started training people. And, you know, I started hearing, like, you know, how different the market was. I'm like, whoa, that's how they doing it? Like, everybody needs a trainer? Oh, this is awesome. So really, like, I wake up every day and I'm happy. Like, it's like the most happiest I've been in my life because regardless if I was training people as a business, I would be still doing going on my own. So I heard one thing, somebody, I forgot the saying, it's like, do something that you would do for free and you'll never work. So, yeah, you'll never work a day of your life. So I train people. I, it don't feel like a job to me. I, I free, you know, I, um, I feed the homeless. You know, I do a lot of stuff for the community. You know, I'm involved with a lot of nonprofits because that's on my heart. You know what I'm saying? I love genuinely doing it. Um, you know, I act out here. You know, I do a lot of, you know, commercials and, and you know, stuff of that sort. But, you know, I was in a lot of, you know, I took acting classes in college, you know what I'm saying? I was involved with a lot of stuff. So I never really feel like I'm working. Like, and then people, you know, they congratulate you. Oh, you're doing great, you're doing great. You just love what you're doing. Yeah. All right, well, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Appreciate it. That was real. I'm sure a lot of people can learn from you your inspiration even though you know you feel as an athlete like oh, i'm not doing nothing <laughs> yeah, you, you never feel content you just you know you like i could do more right. like, i can always do more right but you know I mean? you're doing a lot and um, i appreciate it you know, thanks again for coming on the show and, and that's a wrap um here with nico law thanks we out here stay tuned <laughs> talks with tay baby right.